0: I'm Jordan Hagedorn. And I'm John Kim. And this is Sneaker Salaries, a deep dive look at sneaker news and sneaker culture with insights from those that live the passion and the lifestyle
1: of sneakers. All right, welcome back to Sneaker Salaries. On today's episode, we have Tyler Monsoor, who is a sneaker photographer based in New York City. He is the senior photographer for Kith uh,
0: sneaker slash fashion boutique based in downtown. How are you doing, Tyler?
2: Great, man. How are you guys feeling? Doing good,
0: doing good, man. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. You know, we, we really want to dive into your backstory and some of the work you've done. So can you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself?
2: So originally from South Carolina, uh, moved up to New York about seven years ago, uh, and currently I'm working at Kith uh, as the senior photographer and I handle all of the footwear uh, product photography. So if you see any of the, you know, crazy angle, beautiful kind of pictures, that's me. Nice. Yeah, so uh, I've been doing that for quite some time now. Yeah, it's fascinating because uh, when I moved here originally uh, I would have never expected to be shooting as much footwear as I am right now, but uh, it's, it's amazing and every day It's kind of a lesson, honestly. Um, So growing up in South Carolina, the pace is way slower, as you might assume. Um, And I did a little bit of that back home, but not to this scale, and definitely not at like this crazy of a platform. So, you know, the pace of New York, you know, you hear it a lot, it's the rat race, mile a minute. Uh, It's true. It really is true. Uh, But being in South Carolina for pretty much majority of my life, uh, it was definitely welcomed. You know, I was almost too relaxed for quite some time. So fast forward to today. It's been a little bit different during the pandemic, but shockingly, not too much. Uh, People are still checking for footwear uh, every week. There's a release every other day, it seems like. And it's seemingly doing okay. So, and now we're here.
0: How do you go from being a kid from South Carolina to becoming a a photographer for possibly the best sneaker boutique on the planet in New York City?
2: I always go back to, and as cliche as it sounds, just watching Jordan play basketball, right? I would see him, want to emulate him. In a lot of people's eyes, he's the GOAT. So I wanted to be as much as I could be like him. And... I found out pretty quickly, uh I would say right around high school starting that doing it through the means of basketball probably wasn't going to work out for me. Uh you know, I got I got a decent jumper, but uh just not built for the for the league, so to speak. So I had to pivot and I thought to myself, okay, what else besides him playing basketball are you uh, a fan of? And obviously footwear. His Jordans were uh, you know, I mean, to this day, a lot of them, I think people would agree ahead of their time. Um, so I took a a big liking into his footwear and I wanted to dig as deep as I could into them and really figure out, you know, things past just the surface level, right? Like the color and the number. Um, and simultaneously, I also picked up a camera that I got from and this is this is going to sound strange, but back then uh, computers would come with cameras uh, or the cameras would come with computers rather. Um, so there was a Kodak easy that came with some random PC that I got and I think it might have had one megapixel if it was if we're lucky um, and I just kind of started, you know, messing around with that and I thought to myself, why not marry uh, my liking for footwear and Jordan with the camera? So, you know, everyone's very familiar with Nike and Jordan's ad campaigns. I mean, I think even if you're not big into uh, footwear and this world, you're still very familiar uh, with all of the different classic commercials. So I started thinking to myself, that's something that maybe you could do, you know. so. At that time, you couldn't just join this website called Nike Talk. You had to sort of fill out. And John, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong.
1: There was definitely a um probationary period. It was like a screening
2: almost. They they had to make. I I don't know exactly what went into that process, but fortunately, I got confirmed. And uh, yeah, so I started learning a lot about you know, the footwear and sneakers and just everything uh, about it. And then I stumbled upon a thread and I believe it at that time it was called six sneaker pictures or something like that. And it was in the, uh, the sneaker showcase sub thread or something like that. And that was it. Cause I finally found you. Yeah. That cause that was, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. So, you know, a lot of people, especially, uh, you know, where I'm from in South Carolina, they didn't really understand it. They're just like, what do you mean you want to take pictures of shoes? I'm like, hold on one second, www.niketalk.com. This, this is exactly what I'm talking about. They're like, oh, okay. So
1: I think if you, if you love sneakers back in the day and, you know, you've learned about them through Nike talk or through eBay, or through the forums, everyone owned a camera. Like yeah. it was like the must have. Let's go back to that Kodak uh, easy whatever. share, yeah. yeah. Easy share. <laughs> one one megapixel, and you know, I remember my first camera was a Sony CyberShot, and mm-hmm. it was one point three megapixel. I thought I was like the fucking illest photographer. One point <laughs> three megapixels. Yeah. Now like one point three ain't shit, but but you know, back then you know if you. Love sneakers and you discovered it online. Mm-hmm. You had you want to take a photo of your shoes. And you know, back then phones didn't have cameras on them. So yeah, we would invest our money in and cameras. And I do remember like if you bought like a PC, like a home desktop with those giant monitors, yep. they would throw in like a camera. I think that's how I got mine, my Sony, because I bought like a Dell for college or some yeah. shit. So you've you're surfing through Nike Talk and you know you found this place. Where you could really like share your love of sneakers with other people, and I Mm -hmm. think for a lot of our past guests, myself and for Jordan, like Nike Talk kind of had that same sort of role in our lives. Like we realized there's a community that you could share it with, and you're surfing through the sneaker showcase and seeing all like the photos being taken. Like at what point did you realize, okay, this is something that's really interesting to me, and this is something that I really want to go down, or is was it just purely like a hobby at that point?
2: I would say it was definitely. At that point, just still a hobby, but a hobby that took up pretty much any of my free time. I know the moment where it all changed, it, so to speak, and it got me here. I'm trying to think of the photo that I took. I would have to say it was probably um, an Air Max one, white and red, uh, from the history of AirPac. So I was working at Finish Line at the time, and I remember you know, doing the research. I was like, guys, we're getting these air maxes. And they're like, all right. Okay. Like, I, I think they ended up even going on sale. Um, but I bought them full retail. Well, I think I had a discount, but either way had to have them right away. And, uh, I think I ended up spelling out love, like with the laces, which is, you know, in hindsight, not probably my most proud work. But at that time, I was like, yes, like, this is crazy. I was able to get a couple of likes. I, I, I don't know. I can't remember if because I know Nike talk now they do have reaction buttons, but I don't know if that was a thing back then. You could definitely quote and people could comment. But either what way what year was that?
1: Uh, 0506. Yeah, it's it really
2: 0506.
0: So I got to hit you with this story since you mentioned it's pretty funny. So back in 2002, Michael Jordan had his last campaign with the Wizards, right? And yep. Jordan Brand did a campaign where you could submit what love was to you. And so it was like for the love of the game, yeah. right? And people were taking, you could be a photo, a drawing, a painting, a rap song, whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. So I spelt out love with the Jordan 1, 3, 11, and 12. Oh, and it wow. was just like It was in like, it was in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> and it was this like, uh, it was just, ter- it was a horrible, it was terrible design. I was 17 years old. I submitted it and it got chosen. And so Jordan brand sent an email and it was wow. like, Hey, you've been one of 1500 submissions. Uh, 50 were chosen. Yours was one of them. It's going to go on what's called the love truck. And the love truck went to 13 different cities, yeah. with Ludacris and Eve yeah. and the roots and Derek Jeter. And, uh, so you mentioned that I was like, you can think it's corny, but I love it, man. There's something about like, uh, when photographers started getting creative and mm-hmm. designers and people started to emerge, you know, we just had Cole on the podcast, yeah. and, you know, he's now emerged as a, a guy who's taken sneakers and mashed them up and take it to a whole different level. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a defining moment when you kind of discovered Nike talk, you started going down that path of, Ooh, I think this might be something I, that kind of speaks to me. And then you did the photo where it spelled out love. What were a couple of the other key moments? If you could kind of bridge that gap to then, you know, taking the plunge to move to New York city.
2: So one of the other key moments, honestly, was putting the camera down because I got into a relationship that just became nothing but me and this girl at the time. And
1: we all been there, man. It's OK. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. no, it's OK. It's everything's a lesson. Right. So and that was like a really big learning moment for me because it didn't end well. And I picked the camera back up and. I had like the biggest chip on my shoulder. I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Uh, You know, it was just the typical young kid with the chip on his shoulder mentality. And uh, I just told myself, you're never going to do that again. You're never going to put this camera down. This is this is your baby. Right. So I picked it back up and I started shooting for a friend of mine back home who had a boutique. At that time, which was called uh, Sweet Soul, it's now not there anymore, unfortunately. But that became really the first significant, I guess you could say, income uh, for shooting footwear, and you know, started so gaining a little bit of traction from that. After they unfortunately closed, I think that was in two thousand eight. I want to say when the market just like took a big plunge. I just kept shooting here and there. I even was doing stuff that wasn't footwear related. Uh, I did some couples pictures, which again, not one of my, uh, you know, fondest memories and proudest uh, bodies of work, but it was, it was a gig. I got paid, but that was the same day. Actually, that got me to where I am here now, oddly enough. So I had my friend reach out. Can you take these couples pictures? I was like, all right, I got you. Like, I'll do it, whatever. Um, and then they brought their dog, which was uh, sort of uncharted territory for me at that time. You know, dogs like moving around. I hadn't like completely figured out how to capture, you know, moving objects, whatever. But I did it. I finished it. And at that time, I also in my car. Had a pair of Ronnie Feig gel A3s that he did, uh, which was the Miami Gell threes part of the ECP project. I had already told myself, I was like, you know what, you do these couples pictures in this area, they're not gonna like care like where you do it, they just wanna get photographed, whatever. I was like, All right, so I know the perfect spot for these shoes too. So it was like a two birds with one stone kind of approach. After I get done with them, uh I take the shoes out and I just probably spent close to three or four hours shooting one pair of shoes, which I could never do today. Uh, So I get done doing that. I had one photo in particular that I got, and I knew it was, and it sounds strange, but it was the best photo I had ever taken of footwear. Uh, Just something about it looked a lot better and more elevated than anything I'd ever done before. So I get home. And I'm like pretty tired at that point because I've been out at least six, seven hours just shooting in the humidity of South Carolina during the summer, which is not fun. I was like, you know what, whatever. Uh, I want to at least edit this one photo. So I edit the photo. And at this point, Instagram has now started to become a little bit more of a, a used app on the phone. But it's still before they had DMs or anything. Um, I don't even know if you could tag anybody like in the actual picture, if you wanted to get someone's attention, you would have to mention them in the caption. So it's like, you know what, this photo is so good. So that I was like, fuck it. I'm going to tag, I'm going to mention Ronnie in the caption and say at Ronnie Feig, you're going to give me an opportunity to shoot for you period post, put my phone down. I'm watching at that, I believe, and I I might mess this up. I I can't remember exactly, but I want to say it was the Pacers and the Knicks. And I'm pretty sure Ronnie was at the game because I think he was tweeting about it. So I was like, man, this is, you know, not probably the most ideal time to post because maybe he's just really in tune to the game, whatever. It's like, whatever. I don't give a shit. I'm posting it. I just feel really good about it. So I post it, say it, whatever. At this point, I still had notifications turned on my phone. So anybody that liked it or said anything, I could see it right off the rip. So I like flip my phone back over after a few minutes and I see that Ronnie Feig liked the photo and I was like, "Okay, so like he's seen it now. What? So I I open my phone and I'm like refreshing, refreshing to see if anything comes of it. And sure enough, I'd say maybe two minutes after that, I get a comment from Ronnie Feig and it says, yes, you will. So. At that point, wow! I'm like, you know, like your life flashes before your eyes, like so to speak, right? So I'm like thinking of like all these different moments, you know, that have finally like led up to this point. I I probably looked similar to Jordan when he hit the shot on Craig ELO and the Force. I just jumped up in the air and I was like, let's go, like. Bless my dad. He he has a pretty bad back condition and uh, he doesn't like get up and down too much. But even he got up off of his feet and was like excited and he didn't even know exactly why. He just saw it in my face that, you know, something significant happened. So, you know, uh, at that point, I'm just like, all right, cool. But then I'm like, wait, how am I going to get in contact with this guy or whatever? So. Then I go to Twitter and, uh, you know, I'm already following him. He's like, I'll message you. And I think in order to message somebody, they got to follow you on Twitter at that time. So it's like, yo, I think you got to follow. So then he follows me and then he starts DMing and we're going back and forth. At that point, it was uh, he's like, hey, so I have a pair of Sabagos that are coming out that are really cool. If I send them to you, can I uh, can you like shoot the photos and turn them around? That day, uh, I was like, uh, yeah, because <laughs> I had never had any kind of uh, deadline like that before where I had to turn something around like that soon. So obviously I was going to say, yeah. And even if I completely failed, I had to do it. So, but yeah, um, it went pretty well. We built the relationship very similarly, uh, like that, where he would send me products here and there, uh, for probably about three or four months kind of on and off. And then after that, we we got on a phone call and he offered me an internship to come up to New York. And at that time, it wasn't a paid thing. So, you know, kind of convincing my parents like, hey, I'm going to move to New York, which is like easily one of the most expensive places in the world. And guess what? I'm not going to get paid, but trust me, this is going to be worth it. And at that point, Kith was still uh just the, uh, in the back of another store called Atrium. And it was two rooms. There was a sneaker room and a boot room. So trying to convince, you know, them wasn't like, it wasn't a cakewalk, but ultimately they, they believed in me. And fortunately they did. So. That's an incredible
1: story. I mean, you know, one thing about Ronnie, you know, uh, this, you know, everyone at Sneaker News, um, you me myself like we've had a relationship with Ronnie for quite a while. We we've seen his, his rise up and, and a couple of things that I've always really respected him for is number one, like he always had a really good eye for, like a good taste. Mm-hmm. You know, he has a really good eye for things. And secondly, like he's kind of like down in the trenches, like on social media, like he likes to, he's, you know, he's a fan of things as well as yeah. he is making the product for the people who want, you know, want his shit, you know? Yeah. And so for that connection to have, to have been made, like it's, it's awesome. And at the same time, it's like not surprising. Cause it's, it's that, that came out of an era where, lots of deals were happening in the DMs and on Instagram where people are getting opportunities and, you know, pre social media, you know, everyone thought, you know, talent was only in New York city and in LA and in Tokyo or in Paris, London, Yeah. yeah but yeah. it's really everywhere. It's just a matter of finding, finding it, finding connecting those dots. Yeah. So then you, you got in touch with Ronnie, you guys talk, he convinced you to get an internship, which, you know, and if anyone's listening to this, if you get an internship in New York, you should take it. It's basically 100%, like One hundred you're getting paid an experience. Yeah. But anyway, so now you move to New York and then, um, of course, eventually it gets turned into a paid gig and you start, you know, shooting the photos for Kith, which have to, which I have to say have a very distinct look, you know, like there's so many sneaker shops out there. Now, even like, you know, even the big retailers are, you know, hiring their own in-house photography mm-hmm. team to stylize their shit. You know, how did you separate Kith's visual identity from the other's? And was there any sort of direction that you got from Ronnie himself or was it like, you know what, just kind of do your own thing?
2: It's a little bit of a mix for sure, Uh, especially towards the beginning. uh, We were kind of getting a feel for one another and trying to figure out, you know, because they already were shooting things outside in an environment, which at that point was quite different from most uh, stories. I feel as if it was mostly flats or, you know, like on a a white background and and indoor. So that we already kind of had a similarity because I was also shooting things outside and I always thought it looked really cool. So it really, at that point, was just trying to iron out the details and, uh, you know, the angles and getting standard shots done. But after a couple of years of doing that, it was just He became so busy with everything else that it was just like, you know what? You take the wheel. You've already kind of proven yourself. I trust you. So we did that for a while. And eventually, I think it got to a point where so many people were doing that, that we felt it was, it was time to switch it up. So at that point, we still were shooting uh, outdoor and environment. But we started to inject flats and uh, you know studio stuff into the mix. So at one point, it went from the environment stuff to now it was kind of like a checkerboard. So every other post, so it'd be environment, studio, environment, studio, just to kind of warm people up. So it didn't just like out of nowhere just change. Like who are we like following now? Like you know so. Uh We did that. And then eventually it got to a point where I felt comfortable enough because at that point I had never done studio photography it was exclusively outdoor. So it was a learning process for me. And it still is, to be honest, I'm still learning different things here and there and trying to refine it, but especially at that point. So I got to a point where I felt pretty comfortable and I was like, you know what, it's time. Let's do it. So, you know, now if you look at the feed for the most part, just nothing but uh, studio shots. So it has been a little bit of uh, give and go, and but now we're definitely to a point where they don't have to really give me any kind of references. Uh, and if they do, it, it usually is just something I've done in the past, so it's nice. It, it feels good to really feel like I'm behind the wheel uh, and have all that creative direction.
0: You know, you're behind one of the biggest sneaker boutiques on the planet. And Ronnie is one of the, the has great taste and is a great leader in the community, like John said, that we have seen kind of rise up. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about what it's been like to serve him and and serve alongside him, I guess, and what that ride's been like?
2: Yeah, it's been crazy. So sort of what I was saying earlier, when I first got on at Kith, it was only a uh, relatively small store in the back of another store called Atrium. So sneaker room and a boot room, two rooms. And I got there literally, it seemed like when the foot was starting to just completely go all the way down on the pedal, pedal to the metal, so to speak. And it's really been insane to see the growth. And, you know, this is our 10th year uh, anniversary and I almost forgot that it was at the start of the year. I mean, obviously, last year uh, did a lot of <laughs> a big number on a a lot of people's mental. So I think I forgave myself a little bit. But even had you know, 2020 been completely you know normal, whatever. Um, I think I would have still been shocked that it was our 10th year anniversary this year. Um, I've seen a lot of changes pretty much all of my friends uh, in one way or another have been involved with Kith or they're still at Kith. Um, so building all the relationships have been one of the biggest things for me. Um, so I didn't have like a lot of friends back home, uh, had a couple of like really good core friends, but um, it's been nice to sort of open up a little bit and not be such it, it kind of felt like I was a little bit of a hermit sometimes back home, so kind of breaking out of my shell uh has definitely helped me in the growth uh, aspect. I would say the craziest thing by far is going to this place called moustique um when we did the tommy hill figure collaboration uh It's an island that I had never heard of prior uh to even maybe like a couple of months before we even did the the collaboration with Tommy Hill figure, but he has a house there. It's beautiful. You know, Mick Jagger has a house there. All these like crazy people. I'm just this little kid, you know, from Goose Creek, South Carolina, like taking it all in. So excursions like that, getting to check off something off my personal bucket list, which was going to uh Antelope Canyon for another one of these uh these trips that we do uh, for collaborations. And that one was the uh, EEA, I believe, which was Adidas, Columbia, Oakley, a lot of different um, partners that we did for that. Um, and that was in Utah and Arizona. And just getting to see quite possibly the most beautiful nature I've ever personally seen and getting to do it while I'm doing what I love, which you know you would have told me 8 years ago 7 years ago hey uh you're going to get to shoot sneakers in a canyon in Arizona or Utah which is one of like the world's like natural wonders i i, I would have just like laughed at you you know
1: it's one of those crazy like life coming full circle moments like you're talking about how mm-hmm. you just had those ecpa6 you know on hand and you had like the perfect moment and now like you're being flown out to this place to shoot the shoot in the right atmosphere exactly it's, it, it is really one of those super rewarding moments that i feel like not many people get to have because you know this is something that you've dreamed about you know even me in my career this is something that i never would have thought i would be i would be doing this and sometimes i just kind of sat at home and just look at the wall i'm like holy shit like this is my life you know not yeah. to, not to flex but it's just like i would have never imagined because because there's no there's no pathway no there's no like Hey, here's a degree in sneaker photography. You know, there really isn't. I mean, you went to school for business administration, so clearly like there was no like clear-set path or, yeah. or anything like that. And I think the the trust that Ronnie has, has given you has definitely been noticed by, you know, the social media community. So you move to New York, become a photographer, that's where you get your check, but you're you're you have this growing audience on social media and I think you you definitely fit the bill of that micro influencer to influencer sort of category. Right. And now you're doing cause when I look at your feed, like I, I gotta say, like sometimes it makes me want to buy that shoe. You know, and I think yes. that's the power of sneaker photography. And I think, um, this, the, the importance of a, a product being this, you know, displayed in the proper way is the difference bef- between 500 sales and maybe 50,000 sales, you know? And I think, also with like Instagram growing, you know, people's tastes have just gone up in general. They know what a good photo is and what not. What mm-hmm. is it? And um, can you talk a little bit about like maybe your your presence on social media um, to maybe people arrive at your page and they don't even know what you do? You know, they don't know that you work for Kit. They just think that you're just a shoe guy, another one of those sneaker guys, you know. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that and some fun moments?
2: Yeah. So uh, for me, when I joined Instagram, it was and I'm not ashamed to say it, but I would sit there for hours just hashtagging and trying to get some kind of uh, traction like that. And uh, I remember I would hit like 10 likes. I'd be like, hashtag 10 likes. Like, let's go. Like, that was like, you know, like my medal or something like that. I I don't know. That was just like the thing to do. I remember thinking at one point, like, is this worth it? Like, I don't know. And then, uh, you know, the whole Ronnie fight thing, uh, reaching out to me that, that helped obviously. So at that point I started to definitely get more attention. Uh, especially when he posted the exact photo that I had posted, you know, talking my shit, like, Oh, you can give me opportunity. Um, so I started gaining more followers. I was like, I, this is worth it. You know, like, obviously they're, they say, you know, there's like the dopamine releases whenever you get likes and then like that's why we're so addicted to it. And I'm not going to bullshit you yet. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's nice. It's it's cool to get, you know, validation from people that you look up to and uh, respect in the game. And that's definitely part of it. But for me, it is also just showing my body of work and trying to just show people what I like and what I love and offer a different uh lens on it and i have such a crazy like fun time just trying to figure out how to like reinvent the wheel it it really just like gets the creative juices flowing so i would say 2020 was really great for me personally uh because it gave me a nice hard reset to where i had some time while i was quarantining at home to really reevaluate how i was you know, approaching my social media because the algorithm we all know changed, right? And at a certain point, it wasn't like you could just post, you know, here and there and get thousands and thousands of likes. Now it's seemingly, and I I, I don't know the inner workings, but it's seemingly the more active you are on the app and the more you engage with your following, the more uh, you get like pushed up into the algorithm, more people are seeing your stuff. So I was like, all right, you know what? That's the game. We're gonna play that. So I just was relentless and I was like, I'm gonna do at least a post a day. And I did that for quite some time during the uh, working from home time period. And I started to see results. Uh, And I was like, all right, you know what? Like, just gotta keep going for it and keep doing it. And uh, I accrued so many more followers that way because at a certain point, yes, people know that I'm the Kith photographer. They they get that. So I felt like I was sort of like plateauing and reaching that. It's like, all right, how can I you know, gain some more traction here? So I have this thing called makeshift studio and I've been working on that for a while. And basically it's my creative outlet outside of work, whether it's introducing a new way to shoot shoes or customizing shoes doing for like, even with my girlfriend, we, uh, reupholstered this chair that I found, uh, on the street near the job. And, uh, we did it in a way that, uh, represented the Euro off white ones. So it played back to that look of the shoe and, you know, doing all these different projects. So it's sort of, uh, you know, this creative outlet and, uh, I was just, like, all right, so I'm going to start branding that. And I'm going to start putting more energy into that. And just recently, I finally made my, uh, my Instagram page for it, which took probably a lot longer than I should have waited. But I just didn't want to like make a page and not have like some kind of plan for it. And um, it also worked out well because after building, uh, you know, a sizable following, in comparison, uh, from like last year and the years before it, it just seemed like now was like the good time to do it. So I've just been going ham on that. And, uh, recently I finally got, uh, one of the visions out of my head that I had for a couple of years almost now, which was the Tom Sachs overshoe. What we did was I kept seeing people, obviously we all saw it. They were cutting the bag off completely. And, I was like, I get that because people want to see what's inside. But personally, I love the functionality of the bag and being able to like rock these, like, you know, on all these different conditions. It's like, so how do we and then it just like it like the light bulb came on. I was like, let's make it a clear bag. So eventually I found my friend Alex, who has a leather factory, I think in like Midtown, and I was like, yo, can you pattern this bag because i want it to look exactly like what it looks like but just clear he's like yeah easily so i was like all right so this was during right before holiday the 2020 uh just christmas and he sent me a photo like in a week and it was with one like already done and i was like holy shit that looks exactly like how i envisioned it so I was like, I got to see these in person. So I went over to this factory because, uh, you know, sometimes things and photos don't look as good as they do, uh, you know, uh, in person. Um, and I'm guilty of maybe doing some of that myself. But anyway, so yeah, so I, I went there and lo and behold, it was it was like exactly how I imagined. So but yeah, it came out great. And uh, that's how I launched uh, the makeshift studio page.
0: You have a fascinating story from being a kid from South Carolina. I can relate. I'm a kid from Wisconsin. And oh, I nice. ended up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm here now, ended up living and working in New York for five years and, you know, worked for the biggest sneaker blog and, and yeah. you know, continued to pursue that. So, you know, what I've learned from you is two things, the power of having a chip on your shoulder. Anyone who's successful uh, had a moment where they were, you know, really wanted to prove someone wrong. I think that creates an obsession to not only prove people wrong, but to prove yourself right. Exactly. And then I also think the power of the internet. You know, when you can send a photo out and Ronnie Feig hits you back and now you're collaborating with him to create one of the most high-end, cool, intriguing sneaker boutiques Mm -hmm. and the brand identity of that, essentially, Uh, it's incredible. And and I think people are going to love your story. Um, Can you close with... What are a few things you've learned through your journey of kind of from South Carolina to New York, your travels, and um, what advice do you have for other people kind of trying to pursue the similar path?
2: Speaking to the chip on your shoulder, I feel like it gets kind of a bad rap sometimes because, you know, it's like, oh, look at this asshole, like always out to try to prove somebody wrong. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's the best approach to take all the time but it is an approach right and for me it definitely it was like a wake-up call for me and I kind of had to like kick my own ass uh and it worked right and I kept using that motivation for a long time but then I, I got to a point where I was like all right you know what not everybody's out to try to like you know, down you and not everyone's out here hoping that you fail. Like, sure, there, there's always going to be the naysayers, of course. Um, But at some point, you have to, like, give that chip on your shoulder a little bit of a break. You know, you just got to take it off and keep it close because sometimes you, you do need to, uh, you know, hit the gas again and get motivated. So you got to put it back on the shoulder or whatever. But um I feel like it's not like it would be very hard to – to find some criticism here and there. I I still see it like day to day. Uh, And it's not necessarily people talking shit about my photos, but it could be something that I did with makeshift studio and people are like, Oh, that's dumb. Or that you ruined the shoe or whatever. So, you know, you're always going to have that if you need it at your disposal, but I still think it's, it's good to have a balance and, you know, so I would say that number one, uh, number two, it's a cliche, but I think cliches are cliches for a reason, you know? Um, cause they're proven, which is shoot your shot. You know, I could have easily posted that photo and not said anything to Ronnie and just like, let it rock on my page. And I might not even be talking to you guys right now. Who knows? Um, but don't just throw darts at a board, you know, like at a wall and hope something sticks, right? You want to shoot your shot, but you want to practice your shot too. Cause at the end of the day, we, we are judged by our misses just as much as our makes, unfortunately. So you want to make sure you got a, a decent ratio. Uh, Cause nobody wants to bring on uh, somebody that's going like over 20 at the field. So practice your shot. But then once you get good at it, start shooting it like in game time, you know, mode. So then uh, don't let your passion die. Don't let it die. Uh, You know, sometimes I'll be honest, I'll be shooting maybe my hundredth shoe of the week during the busiest time because it won't it wouldn't be out of the the blue to shoot that many during like especially fourth quarter. I'd just be like, God, I don't know if I could sit here and shoot another shoe, but it's good to keep the perspective of your passion because it's why you're there. You know, that's why you got there in the first place. So I could never, and, and plus, even before I was shooting footwear, that was like what I loved anyway. So, um, it's your passion for a reason. And, uh, you know, I know it's difficult because a lot of people have nine to fives and I also had a nine to five. I, used to work. I was actually working at a Starbucks, believe it or not, uh, while I was still shooting um, products back home for Ronnie. Figured out pretty quickly that wasn't my uh, path, but I still did it, you know, so I could have some some money to support myself. And, uh, you know, nine to fives, everyone's going to probably have to do that. But I always say there's still six to eight so what are you going to do in that time? And you're going to get tired. I get tired, too, even from like my day to day now at Kith. But, you know, I, I try to like spend any amount of free time I can uh, with my own endeavors now. So, um, yeah, just don't let the passion die. Keep the chip on your shoulder when you need it, but don't let it get too comfortable there. Um, and what was the other piece of? Shoot your shot. Yes. But Shoot pra- your shot and, but and- practice it.
0: And don't be afraid to go from Starbucks barista to the head of Kit Creative. Yeah, you can't, Man.
2: you can't, you can't uh, go from point A to Z without the alphabet, so to speak. So, you know, unfortunately, my fortunately my alphabet had Starbucks written in it. Um, <laughs> but it's okay, you know. It's humble beginnings, and uh, you know what, I still I still like their coffee. It's it's good.
1: Well, t- you know, Tyler. Dropping some real, you know, last dance level uh, gems towards the end. Oh, Shoot your shot, yeah, but man. don't forget to practice it. You know, just don't throw all your darts at a board. You know, uh, have that chip on your shoulder near you, and of course, you know, don't lose a passion. So, you know, we 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 see that exemplified in your career. You went from this white eyed kid in South Carolina, love of sneakers and love of photography, uh, an unpaid gig at Kith, and now you are, you know, senior photographer there. Starting your own brand, and of course. You know, you're kind of an expert in social media now, too, just seeing it firsthand and getting a front row seat. So, again, you know, thanks for sharing all that experience. Thanks for, uh, you know, all that you provide for the secret community. Trust me, everyone out there who has seen Kith stock photos or studio photos, they they now know it's from you. So, uh, so thanks again, man. We uh, appreciate the time.
2: Thank you guys for having me. And uh, one last thing, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this because... You know, thinking about you guys at Sneaker News and having some of my earliest moments with Sneaker News before I even tried to make my way into this world through photography, I actually do remember submitting, I think it was like. Had to come up with like a writing piece in order to try to become a writer for Sneaker News. And that means
1: a, I means I must have I must have read that at one point.
2: It right? was probably like very <laughs> mid. It was like it was like okay, I guess maybe, but I, I definitely didn't hear any callbacks. And uh, you know <laughs> what? It's fine because uh, you know I I found my way, and um, I love what you guys have done for so long. And thank you, uh, definitely giants in the game. So salute to you guys and again thanks for having me this was fun appreciate y'all
1: i'm going the inbox i'm gonna to try to find that if you find submission. it
2: please send it to me i'd love to know then, what i wrote <laughs> it'll it'll be
1: in the uh, sneaker salaries uh, dvd extras we'll, we'll put them in there and, oh my god the yeah, director's yeah, cut is, uh, director's cut yeah all right. Thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. I appreciate y'all. So that's it for this week's episode of Sneaker Salaries. But let's keep the conversation going online on our social media channels. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sneaker Salaries and hit us with a DM or a tweet. You can follow me personally on Instagram at John B-E-E-J
0: Kim. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jordan Hagedorn. We'd love to hear your feedback. And if there's a topic you want us to tackle or a guest you want us to have on, you can reach out to us at sneakersalariespod at gmail.com. If you like the episode, feel free to share it with your friends and help spread the word.
1: And please show us some love by leaving a five-star rating and positive review so we can grow this podcast. Sneakersalaries is a sneakernews.com and one thirty seven p.m. partnership and a gallery media group original production.